Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Verse 19, where Jesus tells the fishermen on the shore to drop their nets, to leave everything that they know and own and come and follow him. And it says, immediately they laid down their nets and followed Christ. They followed Jesus. It was just a few years ago, 1969, when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they were, had trained for a number of years uh, to prepare uh, to take off in one of the Apollo shuttles and, and one of the Apollo, Apollo rockets, rather, and, and they took off. And if you remember, they were reading uh, Genesis chapter 1 as they hovered above the earth and as they hovered above the moon. And these men who gave everything, potentially even gave their lives so that they could leave this, this world behind, and yet they found their sacrifices worth it all. It's being the first two men to ever step on the moon. And friends, this morning, I want to ask you a very simple question. Are you prepared to part ways with this planet? Are you prepared to leave it all behind for the call of Jesus Christ on your life? Are you prepared to leave your hobbies behind? Are you prepared to leave your me time, your downtime? Are you prepared to leave your work behind? Because Jesus says that there's always a cost to following him. There's always a, a cost to leaving things behind. There's sacrifices to be made in order to reach for Christ. This morning we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. If you remember, Jesus has been dining, eating with a group of Pharisees in their homes. And, and Jesus, as he is reclined at the tables, he begins to teach them lessons. Lesson after lesson, Jesus gives about the kingdom of God and what it's like to, to live in that eternal security. What, what the kingdom of God is going to be like and who's going to be there. And now Jesus has left the comfort of the Pharisees' homes and now he is traveling again, moving from village to village, place to place. He's teaching along the way, and he is gathering up to himself many followers. And that's where we are this morning. Jesus is accompanied by crowds of people. You might even say that this is the height of Jesus' ministry. But as Jesus' ministry presses on, we begin to see people scatter from Jesus. We begin to see people leave Jesus because his teachings are rather difficult. And especially here, we begin to see people leave Jesus behind because the cost is going to be great. So this morning, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you'd like to join me in Luke chapter 14 again, 25 through 33. It starts out in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, Who does, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation he, and, and is not able to finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and yet was not able to finish. Or what king is going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. 
And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he cannot be my disciple. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Roman number one, what will it cost you to follow Christ? Well, clearly Jesus places relationships at the top of the list. He says, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. By the way, if you want to, you can underline that part, yes, even his own life, because the greatest relationship that we have here on planet Earth is the relationship that we have with ourselves. No one knows you like you. No one knows your victories like you know your victories. No one knows your failures like you know your failures. No one knows you as intimately here on planet Earth as you know yourself. And Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciples, you have to part ways first with yourself. Your dreams, your desires, your devotion, your plans, your futures, all of those things are great. But if they keep you from being my disciple, then they are worthless. Friends, this morning, the greatest relationship you have is not with your wife, it's not with your children, it's not with your pastor, and it's not with your Sunday school teacher. It is the, it is the, the singular relationship that we have with ourselves. After all, we generally build ourselves up to be the heroes in our own mind. We're sort of the victors of our own stories. We're the ones that are the highlight. We're the center of our own universes, after all. And Jesus says, no, 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 if you're going to follow me, you have to take yourself out of the center of your, own of your own universe and place me there inside of it. And Jesus goes on, and he says, before he says we have to part ways with the relationship that we have with ourselves, he gives several others. And he says that we have to be willing to let go uh, of our fathers and our mothers and our wives and our children, brothers and sisters. He doesn't just say we have to let go. He actually says the word hate, that we have to hate our mothers and fathers. We have to hate our children. We have to hate those that are closest to us in order that we may follow him. There is no earthly relationship that is more valuable than our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the singular relationship that we are to prioritize above all others. If you have a father and mother who says, no, you cannot follow Christ, you follow Christ anyway. If you have a wife or a sister or a brother who says, no, you cannot follow Christ, you follow Christ anyway. There have been times as I've traveled abroad, and I've not traveled extensively abroad. I've been a few places in my life, but I've come in contact with, in particular, former Muslims uh, these people who celebrated Islam as their religion. And, and they would have a vision. They would see Jesus. And Jesus would be calling them in their vision. They would receive a Bible there on a street corner. They began to read their Bible. And they began to place the fact that the same person that was calling them in their vision is the same Jesus that they read about in the Bible. And even though it would cost them every earthly important relationship that they had, specifically with their mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, and children, even though it would cost them their greatest relationship they had on planet Earth, they would leave everything to follow Jesus. I heard these stories time and time again. Friends, what about you? Are you willing to lay aside the most important earthly relationships that you have? Are you willing to say, you know what, myself is not, is not the most important thing. I have to place Jesus in the center of my life. 
We're going to be giving up quite a bit. We're going to be giving up our relationships. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake, they will receive 100-fold and will inherit eternal life. Jesus there in Matthew 19, verse 29 is saying, Listen, I understand that you're going to be giving up a lot to follow me, but you need to understand in the economy of eternity, what you give up pales into comparison of what you will eventually receive. You will gain everlasting life. You will receive an eternal dividend that will never run out. You will receive, you may lose an earthly father, but you'll gain a heavenly father. You may lose an earthly family, but you will gain a heavenly family. What you receive in heaven, it will be wonderful in comparison to what you lose here on planet earth. So what will it cost to follow Christ? It will cost relationships Letter B, it will also cost us relaxation. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Now again, if you'll transport yourself to the time when Jesus endured crucifixion, if you can imagine in your mind's eye Jesus bearing that cross up the hill to Golgotha as people mocked him, as he had been beaten and flogged, and as, he was, uh, as his blood had vacated pretty much his entire body. If you can place yourself in that crowd as they threw stones at him and spit on him and did all these things, would you say that that looked or that seemed very comfortable? I think we would all agree that bearing a cross is not an act of comfort. It is not an act of relaxation. Bearing a cross is not going to be easy. What Jesus here is saying, he's saying, listen, the most important relationship that you have is the relationship you have with yourself. And then he goes on to the next verse and he says, you must be willing to bear your own cross to be my disciple. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that Jesus connects these two verses with one being, hey, the relationship you have with yourself is not that important, and to be my disciple, you've got to bear a cross. What Jesus is essentially saying is, the thing that you care most about, which for us is us, the thing that you care most about, you have to be willing to kill. You have to be willing to sacrifice. You have to be willing to bear that cross. You have to be willing to bear that instrument of death in your life. And it will not be fun. It will be a great deal of suffering. It will be very, very hard. I stumbled upon a, a video just this past week of a very prominent prosperity preacher. And it was a... It was a video that had been done by a, a news service called Inside Edition. Y'all probably seen this clip before. This prosperity preacher had just bought himself uh, about an $85 million airplane. And this Inside Edition reporter walked up to this pastor and, and began to inquire, how do you take the life that Jesus lived, a life of service, a life of deep humility, and a life of justice and a life of fairly abject poverty, how do you measure this life with the life that you now lead? And friends, as he was speaking, this pastor, he began to say, well, as I read through the Bible, all I see is wealth and riches and prosperity. 
Fred, he must have a different Bible than me. Because as I read the Bible, I see emptiness. I see loneliness. I see despair. I, I, I see suffering. Now, all of these things are gain in the eternal vision of God. While we are here on earth, we will experience times of deep suffering. We will receive times of deep hardship. And yet Jesus tells us over and over again that he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. And even though we are bearing our own death instrument, we will not bury it, or bear it, excuse me, alone. I met with a gentleman in our church on Friday, and he was talking to me about some of the hardships that he had had in his life and some of the the great struggles that he had had. And, and he, he talked about a, a poem that was written years ago that was great comforting uh, to him. And it's that Footprints in the Sand poem. You know which poem I'm talking about? It is a great one. It is a great one. And he talked about how there was a period of time in his life where he felt very absent from God, where he felt God was very distant, and it was also one of the lowest parts of his life. And he said, I understand and identify with that man who complained to God that, you know, God, when I needed you the most, as I was walking along, when I needed you the most, your footprints were gone. They, they weren't there at all. I was walking alone through the deepest, hardest most times of greatest suffering, yet I was there by myself. And do you remember God's response? He said, oh, brother, no, 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 you've, you've got it all wrong. Those footprints are my footprints, and I was carrying you through the whole time. Well, friends, let me tell you that we will give up relaxation. Uh, we will give up our pet projects. We will give up the things that we love the most to carry the cross that Jesus has given to us. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, and he sat down, that being Jesus, and he called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last and the servant of all. He must be last and the servant of all. Being a servant is not a comfortable place. Many of us, we long to be served, not to be a servant. And yet Jesus says, no, in order to be a follower of Christ, we must be willing to do the hard things to serve others. We see that Jesus says that we're going to lose our relationships, the most important being the relationship that we have with ourselves. We have to be willing to kill that relationship by bearing the cross of Christ. We'll lose our relaxation. And then letter C, we will lose our riches. We will lose our riches. In verse 30, or excuse me, in verse uh, 27 it says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And again, in verse 33, he says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Anyone who, of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. What Jesus, is, what Jesus is saying right here is many of these people that he has just met with have tremendous financial gain. They have tremendous financial resources. It reminds me of the, the story of the young man, the rich young ruler captured in the gospel of Mark. The rich young ruler, as he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you must obey the commandments. And Jesus begins to list off all of the commandments. And the rich young ruler says, oh, Jesus, I've kept all those. I've kept all of those. I'm good. 
Uh, and, and, and this young man's arrogance gives Jesus one more opportunity to say something else. He says, still one thing you lack. You must sell everything you own to the poor to come and follow me. And the Gospel of Mark records that the rich young ruler, as Jesus told this to him, it said that he went away sad and downcast because he had great wealth. Friends, Jesus tells us that we've got to be willing to part with our financial security in order to follow him. I've met missionary after missionary, pastor after pastor, who said, you know what, I am willing to go serve on the mission field. I'm willing to leave everything behind that, I, that is of monetary value or what the world tells me is valuable in order to pursue Jesus Christ. And are we willing to do the same thing? Are we willing to give up our riches in order for Christ to be glorified in us? Boy, how many of you have been hit hard by the stock market over the past two weeks? I have. I've lost about 10%. 10% of the stock values that I, that I own. And chances are some of you have lost even more than that. And, and, and Angela and I, we were sitting down the other day and we were looking at an application on our phone that sort of tracks our spending and it also tracks stocks that we've purchased over all these years together. And, and, and we began to wring our hands. Oh my goodness. Oh, the economy is going down and we got coronavirus everywhere. And, and my goodness, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, I began to study for this message and I realized, you know what, one of these days I'm going to lose all my eternal wealth. I'm going to lose all of my ephemeral wealth here on planet earth. It's not like I can take it with me anyway. Whether I lose it here uh, today or lose it later is really of no eternal value because Jesus is in losing some of this wealth as Jesus is teaching me, listen, this is not valuable. The relationship, the walk that you have with me is more valuable than what you could possibly make here on planet Earth. I will say this, though, that it is important that we are responsible and good stewards of the wealth that Jesus has given to us. Friends, if you're seeing this room right now, you are more wealthy than 99.9% .9 of the planet. If you're sitting in here right now, just the simple fact that you're an American citizen makes you more wealthy. It gives you more distributable funds than probably 99% of the world that is around us. The United States of America is the most wealthy country, the most powerful country in the entire world. We can lose fractions of our wealth and yet we will not miss one meal. If you've lost Money in the stock market, guess what? You'll still be able to go eat lunch today where many people around the world won't be able to. This morning, Jesus tells us we will need to be prepared. We will need to count the cost of following Christ by counting the relationships, uh, losing the relationships that are important to us, but the one that's most important to us being with ourselves. We're gonna have to bear our own cross. We will suffer as we give and we will lose our riches. In Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and your treasure will be in heaven and come and follow me. Well, friends, are you willing to do it? Am I willing to do it? Jesus' call requires a couple things this morning as we conclude today's message quickly. Jesus' call requires caution. It requires caution 
in verses 28 through 30, listen to what Jesus said. For which of you desires to build a tower does not, sit for, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. When I was a teenager growing up in Montgomery, I would take the same route to school. My mom would drive me, and then I was a 16, and I would drive myself. But we would take the same route to school every day. We would uh, leave out of Wind Lakes neighborhood there on Vaughn Road. We traveled all the way down Vaughn Road, cross the Eastern Bypass, drive through a little neighborhood, and we would get to Trinity Presbyterian School, which is where I graduated high school. But there on Vaughn Road, in my teenage years, probably as I was like a freshman or sophomore, they began to build a church in an empty pasture uh, there on Vaughn Road, and it was a massive church, massive church. And there were news articles about it. I can remember reading the Montgomery Advertiser talking about this church that was going up on Vaughn Road, how it was going to be a a beacon. It was going to be a light to Montgomery. People were going to come from all around to go to this new, vibrant church. And they began to throw up beams, steel beams, steel girders that went way up in the air. It was a very tall building, tall structure. And you could see they began to lay the foundation. They began to to lay everything out so that the church would be built and be functional. And then all of a sudden, as I began to drive by day after day, week after week, month after month, it seemed that nothing was happening to this phenomenal church that was supposed to be built, this church that was going to be a beacon, a light into all of Montgomery that people were going to flock to. It seemed like there was no work happening. And as I began to, again, read the newspaper and talk to friends and speak to other pastors, what ended up happening is this church did not do their due diligence. They built a structure without counting the cost. And it bankrupted them completely, totally. They ran out of money as they began to build this church right there in the center of Vaughn Road in Montgomery, Alabama. And do you know what happened? As people began to drive by, as they began to see the rust piling up on these steel girders, as they began to see the foundation cracking because it was exposed to the elements, as they began to watch this church deteriorate, people began to make fun of it. People began to make fun of it. And they began to to name the church, and they would call it the church's name, and it's their folly. Their folly. Friend, let me tell you, when you follow Christ, you need to understand that there is going to be a cost. Over the years, I've been serving in Christian ministry now for uh, 20 years, and if you count internships over the years, it'd be more than 20 years of serving on a church staff, vocational ministry. And over that period of time, I have met numerous men and women, mostly men, who started out in ministry and they started out well, and yet they didn't finish. They didn't finish. They had a moral failure in their life. They had a sexual failure in their life. They, or they just got burned out and they just gave up. And friend, let me tell you, that is one of the saddest stories around to meet men, to meet women who didn't finish the race, who didn't finish their calling, who had to give it all up. In Mark chapter 8, verse 35, it says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save their lives. 
Are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to part ways with the most important relationship you have on planet Earth? Not the one that's sitting in your arm next to you this morning, but the one that you have with yourself. It takes great caution. Know what you are getting into. I can remember going to youth evangelism rallies as a child, as a young guy, as a youth. And I can remember hearing youth evangelists say, this is the easiest decision you'll ever make. This is an easy decision. Friends, let me tell you, it is not an easy decision. You ought to know what you're getting yourself into. But I will tell you, if you choose to get yourself into a walk with Christ, you will always thank God for it. You'll always thank God for it. Not only does he call us to have caution, but he also tells us that we should have commitment. In verses 31 and 32, or what king is going to go out to encounter another king in war that he wouldn't sit down first and deliberate whether he has whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Brothers and sisters, to follow Christ, it takes commitment. I've been reading through the book of Numbers. And it's interesting, as you read through the book of Numbers, you encounter an Israelite people who were always ready to fight for God, and yet they were never ready to commit themselves to God. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? As you read the book of Numbers, you read about a people willing to fight for God. They were willing to go to war for God. Uh, they were willing to pick up that Ark of the Covenant and trot that thing out there uh, in front of the Canaanites and the Philistines, the Amalites, all the ites that they wanted to fight. They were willing to go out there and they were saying, in God's name, we're going we're gonna to fight these foes. God, give them to us. They were willing to fight for him, but they weren't willing to obey him. And that's where many of us are today. We're willing to stand for God, but we're not very willing to obey God. We're not willing to count the cost. We're not willing to to allow Jesus to have that ultimate rule in our life. And this is something, by the way, that I deal with on a daily basis. We all do. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's words. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. By the way, notice what Paul says here. He, he says, I have suffered for the loss of... Uh, 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 excuse me, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain heaven. Is that what it says? I count it all rubbish in order that I can gain my crown. Is that what it says? I count it all rubbish and loss so that I can gain relationships that have gone on before me, husbands and wives, granddaddies and grandmamas. I want to be able to see these folks again. Is that why you do it? Paul simply says this, that he is so excited about losing everything here on earth, everything that is valuable here on earth, it's all rubbish, it's all worthless, it's all rust buckets, so that he can gain a relationship with Christ. Friends, I know we all want to go to heaven. I want to be there right there with you. But if all heaven was was knowing the surpassing grace of Jesus Christ, it would be worth it. If when we opened our eyes in heaven and all we saw was Christ, he would be worth it. 
if that's all that there was, if I didn't get to see my grandparents again, if I didn't get to wear my crown, if I didn't get to have my holy estate that's built by Jesus' hands, if I didn't get all that stuff, it would still be okay because Paul says that knowing Christ is even greater than all of those things. It requires commitment. If you remember Paul's life, Paul was stoned, Paul was imprisoned, Paul was beaten, Paul uh, was tried unjustly, Paul was on the run constantly throughout his life. Paul had zero financial security. Paul had to relegate himself to making tents. And this is one of the most learned men who wrote a third of the New Testament. This man is more brilliant than anybody in this room, I promise you. And yet he did a servant's task. He picked up a trade just to survive. Again, as I read about the people that follow Christ, they suffered for Jesus. And it was hard, and yet it was worth it. Because, as Paul says, he counts all the things to gain in this world as rubbish in order that he gain Christ. Great is the reward for following Jesus. In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Great is the reward for following Jesus. Will you follow him today? Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Lord, we come before you thankful, thanking you, Lord, that you have called us to serve in your kingdom. Lord, perhaps there is a a relationship that we need to give up to follow you. Perhaps there is an attitude that we need to let go of in order that we could follow you. Uh, Perhaps there is some type of activity that we need to let go in order that we follow you, some kind of habit. Uh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll give us the strength to endure those things. I pray that you'll give us the willingness to let go and say yes to you. Lord, this morning, I pray that as we make decisions to follow you, to join your church, to be a part of your kingdom, that, Lord, you would plant that seed of evangelism in our heart to share the gospel with those that come in contact with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for your resurrection power. And we pray this in your name today. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. And we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube. And at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.